Welcome back to the Afros and Knives podcast. I am your host, Tiffany Rozier, and this week's conversation is with wine luminary, visionary, and leader, Nicole Kearney of vegan wine brand, Sip and Share Wines. We talk about beginnings, building a legacy, and the wisdom of quitting what no longer serves you. Listen to the Afros and Knives podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. New episodes are available every Tuesday. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Nicole Kearney with Sip and Share Wines, and we are a micro winery and we produce um, a variety of vegan wines. Um, they are all delicious and all wines no are not vegan. And really I started this company um, because we wanted to make sure that um, black and brown people who are not invited to the table and who are not um, underserved and underrepresented in the wine industry could uh, have that place and, um, and hold a space for them. That's Sip and Share Wines. Hey, well, and so for your personal journey into wine and, you know, becoming an educator, becoming a producer, what was kind of, what was your first few steps and what kind of drew you into what I really consider any, any food or wine um, career for me is a calling. And so like what first, you know, when did you first hear the call to get into wine, especially as specifically as you have with, um, with vegan wines? So for me, um, wine, I think like most people, um, so I grew up, um, I'm from the East Coast, um, but then my dad was in the military, so I'm a military brat. So spent some time overseas and the culture of um, wine and, and beer is significantly different than in the United States. So was exposed um, at earlier age to a lot of great um, beverages which over in this country is like so taboo um, and in Europe and Italy, um, you know, in, in uh, France, you know, wine is just an extension of the meal. So I kind of, that was kind of like that first understanding when I came back to the U S that there was this real um, huge deficit and then getting into graduate school and drinking. And I'm a writer by trade. And so the impetus even for the company and how it originally started was in graduate school. We would basically sip our wine and then share about our writing and, you know, what was going on in our lives. And so that is when I started um, thinking about wine beyond just, you know, this beverage that we drink to really, um, you know, thinking about, you know, where does wine come from and, you know, all the expansive rabbit holeness of wine. And then I, um, I was just doing wine tastings that I didn't even know that was a thing like home wine tastings for family and friends. And then one day I just was like, where are the black people in wine? And did a Google search and there were about 30 people, um, you know, companies listed. And I was like, wow, we don't, no. And we don't think about that when we go to drink and, and purchase. And so for me, it was about initially the company was all about pouring um, other black and brown winemakers um, and taking them into people's homes and educating people about they exist. And then um, just with some legal issues and things, you know, the alcohol industry is very, very regulated. Kind of for us, the pivot was uh, to become a winery. And then I have so many family and friends. Um, that are vegan or vegetarian 
and I used to be vegetarian for um, forever. And then I'm a pescatarian now. And so I just wanted to drink something that was healthier and um, better and lighter. And all my friends complained that were vegan. They couldn't find anything on the shelf. So I was like, oh, and I never thought about it as this super, we were doing something super niche um, or niche, niche, but um, we, we are. So we're black, um, black owned, woman owned, and we make vegan wine. So that puts us in this ultra um, super niche space. Wow. Now, because you actually are my first producer um, uh, to to be in to be in an interview, so I'm now I'm like wholly intrigued on the production side of this because I don't we don't get to hear about that because the, the last few interviews I had with a few um, few of the other ladies who work in wine and work in wine education, we really were able to dig into the you know into the idea that wine is not really part of uh, black households in the United States. Um, you know, it's it. You find it in other households, you find it in other cultures. They usually still are, you know, the, the topic is still very taboo and very elite or elitist. Um, but outside of that, it's not, you know, it wasn't like I would walk into my grandmother's house or my auntie's house or somebody, you know, or my black or black neighbor's house. And there was a wine selection there. And it wasn't something that came up in conversation. It wasn't something that you, that would just, that was just part of our everyday um um, our everyday food conversations. And so we've kind of dug into that quite a bit. So now I'm really interested in hearing like when you were thinking about getting into production, what did that look like? Because I imagine like if you only were finding 30 people, you know, in a Google search covering, you know, all, all ends and spectrums of wine at this point, I can only imagine like the number of producers, um, probably, I mean, I'm not finding that many as it is in the, in the States. So for producers, like, what was that conversation? Like when did, when you got to the place, it was like, okay, you know what? Production is, yeah, that's, that's where, where, that's where this needs to go. What did that look like? What did that, uh, that journey look like as you started to kind of step into that, the production space? So we kind of got into that, um, having again, met a lot of the uh, great uh, folks that work in wine, uh, Benita Johnson, who is with the Bind Wine Club, um, and, um, Marcy Jones, who is the, um, founder of Urban Connoisseur. So those two women, um, became my mentors and they, um, kind of guided me and, and gave me some direction. And I got to meet a lot of great winemakers. So I've, you know, had the opportunity to meet Mac, who is basically, you know, the, basically the godfather of black wine. Um, so Mac McDonald, um, I've gotten to meet Phil Long with longevity, um, Theodora, Queen Theopatra, um, so getting to meet some of the folks who were, I would call some of our um, elders in the wine business um, and, and getting to see how they do their work and going, I've visited um, everyone but Mac. I have not visited his location, but getting to meet them, visit them, see their process. And then that kind of just intrigued me. And then being a creative person as well, I was like, I wonder if I can do this. And really my children pushed me into it. Um, because they were trying to find a gift and at the time my children weren't old enough to go buy me wine. Um, and so they found a winemaking class and they gifted that to me and they were like, here, that's something we could pay for and you can do. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, it was like, oh, this is cool. And so I went to the class and I was like, oh, 
and I made some wine and my first wine was a Merlot and a Chilean Merlot. And I was like, okay. And then, um, it was about a year and a half later, probably about a year before we, we broke out the first bottle and drank it. And it was like, people were like, okay. And I didn't tell anybody, I just poured it. You know, I didn't know, no announcement. I just poured it. People were like, oh, this is good. I was like, wow. Okay. And I'm like, Oh, so, you know, I'm doing this thing <laughs> um, and I, you know, I think I, I'm going to make wine. And so everybody was like, oh, you should do that. You know, they were like, you drink a lot, you know, you, you kind of are in the wine world. And that was really the impetus, but you don't know how hard it is to really do it until you get into it. And so um, I've just been fortunate that I've been able to call people um, and ask questions. Um, Paul Charles with Charles Wine Company. Um, I call him regularly and we talk, um, again, Marcy with Urban Connoisseur. I talk to her probably once a month, you know, just like she knows that, that back and that the business end. And so just having those folks to call, um, and give you like that mentorship and just say, you know, you can do it. And then, you know, I took my wines for Phil to taste. So Phil and Marcy, um, her sister, Cherry, and, um, and Deborah Long, who's now, um, has transitioned on, um, I got to take my wine to them and, um, it was a great experience because to get like, you know, one of, you know, what I consider one of the master black winemakers to taste your wine and give you notes. That's a cool thing to have that opportunity. And for me, I, I kind of knew, um, I was on the right path and, you know, I could do this. And then we did Essence Fest in 2018 for the first year. And when I got there, I was like, I don't know if I belong in this room. Like, wow. We've only been making wine for this very short time. And we're in the room with folks who've been in the business, you know, many, many years ahead of us. And I didn't know if I could, my wines would hold up and stand up to that. But we got enthusiastic response. You know, they were like, you know, you know, consumers were like, your wine is the best in the room. And so that really helped embolden me and um, let me know, okay, I'm on the right path. This is something I should do. And I feel like always when, you know, the almighty and the universe um, and the ancestors are in alignment, that doors will just open that you couldn't imagine. And for me, that's what's happened. It's like, People have called me, sent me emails about opportunities, and then everything just, it it just falls into place. And so for me, it's been um, a great journey. And and I I don't do this by myself. So I don't want people to think like I am the only person doing it. I have an amazing fiance, David, that um, is like, has been there literally. He came to my very first event. (laughs) So we we talk about day ones. you know, we, we knew each other previous to that some years, but he came to my very first event. He was like salt on Facebook. You know, we were friends and he was like, I'm gonna come support you. And little did he know that, you know, his life would change or our lives would change, but he would be immersed in this, um, this wine universe. And so we've, we've gone across the country pouring wine, um, and having a great time. You know, he impresses on me and it's taken me about a year to to hear it and embrace it. It's fun. He's like, it's fun. He's like, don't be uptight. It's fun. Just breathe. So (laughs) it's great to have that partner that, um, he's, he's in it, but he's also distanced enough to have a very, a a very, a different perspective than me where I'm just like running around, 
you know, my head cut off. And he's like, it's cool. It's going to work out. <laughs> he's like, yeah. relax. It's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to enjoy this. <laughs> and that, and that's, that's him. That's always wow. his voice. And I'm like, and once I embrace that, really that philosophy that this is really fun, um, then it's just been a total culture shift for us. And now it's fun. And then my team, um, I have my niece, um, Ruby, who comes out and does events for me. My brother, um, Dennis comes out. And so it's a family affair that, you know, my family jumps on board and we have a couple other wine ambassadors. And so it's fun. You know, we make it, it's a party and people like always come back and be like, you know, I had a lot of fun when I came, you know, and hung out with y'all. We're like that. And we love to hear that. We like, that's what's up. That's what's up. It's funny that I, you know, one thing I had already, I always think about when it comes to wine culture globally is that it is so family driven and yes. that it's generational. It's one of the only really general, like authentically generational businesses that exist in the world. And some of the, the vineyards that ex- exist in, uh, in, in Europe and, and other parts of the world have been around for so long and have just been passed from family to family. And barring, you know, a couple of wars and invasions and things like that, wine is kind of this industry that holds up globally um, but in families. And it's, in, it's funny, it's, it's, it's interesting and refreshing to hear that your family is a part of the process because it, it seems like that's just a natural thing to happen when wine is being produced is that there's a family involved somewhere. And I know I have commented a couple of times is that, you know, in the United States specifically, because African-Americans have been kind of have been removed from the conversation of property ownership and business ownership that being a a wine family is not something that comes naturally. But when you look at world history that, you know, when you look at hieroglyphs and you look at cave paintings and you look at other things that come from like that place in those places in Africa where the cradle of life is, you see that wine has been part of the culture for a very long time. And that if we had not been, you know, if we had been, hadn't been separated from our history, I am sure there would be some, in, in some really big wine families, um, you know, with brown, black and brown faces at this point. Um, so it's just, it's so nice to see and hear that that's starting to pop up and it's becoming kind of a natural part of family conversation, especially when someone has decided to go, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to, we're going to get into wine production. Um, so, so thank you for, for, you know, for pulling your family into that. I don't think people understand like these types of businesses flourish and last for hundreds of years because they, people pull their families into this and they're excited about it. And everyone's like, well, let's get on board and let's do this thing. So, um, so thank you, uh, for definitely, um, for tying those two things together. I always, I always think about them, but I never have actually heard someone like put words to it or articulate it in such a way where I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a legitimate thing. That's a, that's a, that's a real thing that's happening that, that wine is a generational and family type thing. Um, so for, you know, for where you are now, how, what was your, what did you transition out of? Um, were you like working in, uh, you know, corporate America? You were, I know you said you were, um, an army brat. So what was your, what was your work before you got into, um, into wine? So before I get into wine, I was doing, um, so I've, I've had very, I've had a, really interesting career life, but, um, I've been an educator. I was a college professor, um, and, uh, teaching writing and theater, creative writing. 
And then um, I do, I've done community engagement work. And so I've done a lot of community engagement, relationship building. And it really was also my partner who told me, he was like, you'll be really great in the wine world because what you're really good at is building relationships. And I had never, you know, you know, you can't see yourself and others can see you. And I hadn't realized that, but that's what people had been having me do for years. So I would go into a community. Um, there might be a specific project and, you know, I might go around and engage the neighborhood, get their feedback on things. You know, a lot of, um, a lot of times we neighborhood plans or a specific like, you know, property or economic development project that was happening. So that's what I was actually, I was doing that. I was doing the wine, but I went to go work um, in our Northwest. We have an area, Northwest area. And I went to go work there. um, And that's, and it was supposed to be a six month engagement. So I was like, you know, great. I do this for six months. You know, I'm growing my business and everyone knew what I did. Everyone knew I did one. <laughs> it was pretty much everybody. When I had my interview, <laughs> the group of people at the table and a lot of the people knew me outside of um, there. And so a lot of people knew I did community engagement. So they were like, Oh, welcome back. You're coming back. And it lasted 13 months only. And I, cause I left. Um, And I could have stayed much longer, but I was like, um, you know, sometimes, you know, when it's time for you to go. And, um, I felt I had overstayed the time frame, like I six months and then it turned into nine months. And then next time it was a year. And I was like, "Mm," you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are available for me, but I can't take advantage of them because I have this, um, and it wasn't even a full-time job at first. It was part-time. Then it went to full time and I had a lot of flexibility, but the opportunities that were coming, um, like we, we didn't get our physical commercial space until that's kind of what made me leave. Like I left, right. Um, I left Thanksgiving of last year and our commercial space, we were able to move in December 1st. So that was, um, you know, again, divine timing. So it was like, okay, I now have an opportunity to do this full time and, um, you know, see if, you know, see what will happen. And I think that, um, you know, there's that phrase, you know, when you leap, um, the net will appear. And so I just, um, it's been a faith walk and I, um, yeah, I just walked it out. I, you know, my parents are like, my parents have always been super supportive. When I said at eight years old, I'm gonna be a writer. My mm-hmm. parents were like, great. They sent me to writer camp. They um, were like, who can we meet and what can we do? And then when I said, hey, I'm going to do this wine thing full time. And my parents were like, so do we get some wine? Is, is that <laughs> we're going to make us some wine. And so I've made my parents, they have their own wine, but they've been on board. They like promote me. They tell their friends about me. They share all my stuff. Um you know, they've come to tastings, my mother's worked events. So like I said, it's, and my parents live in North Carolina, they don't live where I live, but, um, it's just having that support. My children have worked events with me. So having just that support, it's like, how can, like you said, how can I fail? But it's also the legacy building because my children may not ever make wine, but I can leave them a company where they can still um, 
my son's in, in, in finance. And, um, so he may come back and, you know, and, and be the CFO one day, Right, right. Uh, you know, my daughter's in hospitality and, and she's done that. She goes through college. Both my children are in college now. And one day she might come back and, you know, manage my hospitality program, or at least give us some mental health, um, to be our mental health provider. So it's, it's great to see that, you know, I've explained to them, I'm building this as a legacy and I don't necessarily expect them to be in the production side, but if I can groom other family members who might have that interest, then it still becomes, like you said, family, um, a generational family business where it's cousins and, you know, cousins working, and so that, and that's what I really want to do is, um, because I believe there's not a, there's not a winery that, um, exists specifically even on the East coast, um, that hasn't been touched by, um, brown people, by melanated people, because we, we agriculture is in our blood and we knew how to farm yeah. and we came and we, um, we did the farming and we, you know, we were the vineyard managers um, and just someone who didn't look like us had their name on the bottle. But even when we look at like the uncle nearest story that's coming out with Jack Daniels, it's always been us um, that have um, tilled the soil and, and built these, um, these wine, you know, wine brands and, and vineyards. And now we're kind of coming full circle where we're moving back to the agricultural, our agricultural roots. And we're reclaiming not only our agricultural roots, but our right to have our name, um, on the forefront of bottles. Mm, That's good. That's good. Um, yeah. I was just, I was literally just thinking that I was like, wow, it's how we have like, now we can return back to the things that we are so brilliant at and have some dignity within them now, um, you know, and reclaim our, you know, that the respect that was, that was owed to us to begin with. Um, yes. cause it's, you know, at some point you can't deny that black hands and brown hands have been all over the things that the ground produces, um, on this landmass. It's like, how long do you think we could go until someone, you know, peeped that secret or found out? And, you know, then we're going to have to have a real conversation about it because you understand that, you know, this, we would have not been able to feed ourselves (laughs) without you all. And that's why we went and got you. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where now we can have a really different conversation about, oh, we did, you know, because I know going into when I started working in food and, we would talk about a lot of things when it came to menu planning and putting things on the plate and things, you know, flavors we were going to cook with and flavor profiles and the conversation that I was never really ever a part of, you know, were the ones around wine and wine pairings and um, how to cook with wine and things like that. And it was always interesting to me that, you know, we can, we would get right up to the line and then they would, you know, assume that, well, that's not really, something y'all do like y'all don't swim and get your hair wet and you also really don't drink wine black people drink brown liquor or malt liquor or a lot of other things but we don't drink wine so being out being 
left out of those conversations were always interesting to me because I always had a couple of bottles of wine and that was always part of, you know, my, my life in general, especially my life in food. And I'm always looking for, you know, new and interesting um, producers and different parts of the world that are now starting to produce my wine more visibly. So, you know, it's so nice to see in the last few years that as people have learned that black people travel and that we are global and that we speak more than one language and that we eat a lot of things and that aren't deep fried and meat. And we, we also drink wine and we understand whiskeys and, and, sh- you know, and, uh, uh, sherries and, and, and aperitif. And like, we have a real vocabulary and experience with these things. It's, you know, the world is, I'm not even know if they know what to do with it just yet. And it's, you know, they don't No, they just, you know, I'm just like, I don't, I see people before they jump on to the, you don't know. I think I'm seeing more people just take a pause before they make an assumption. Like, well, wait a minute, am I underestimating what I really, what could really be happening here? And, you know, in the, in the professional space, you know, as a black chef like that, I just have not seen anyone managing a beverage program in a restaurant I have worked in with a brown or black face at this point. And there are very few and far in between. And it's just like, okay, what do we need to do um, to help (laughs) y'all understand that this is a, a, a conversation we can have and that we can have it intelligently and passionately. And we really can know what we really do know what we're doing. So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm always intrigued and like, I love to sit back and just kind of watch these parts of the culture blossom and how other people are just paying attention and not really quite sure where to put what's happening just yet. Um, so yeah, so I, I it's I I at this point I'm just kind of like I, I I you know by next summer this is going to get even more interesting at some point because now people oh, are waking, yeah. oh my gosh people are waking up to like wait a minute so that bottle of wine I've been drinking is from a black producer and I'm just like yeah they're like oh I didn't think y'all drank wine or made wine I'm just like but right. why not but why not like why wouldn't we <laughs> like where did you get this idea from help me understand the origins of this this misconception of yours and they because don't even know it's it's white because it's it's you know i showed um a group of people i had 10 different wine spe- spectator magazines and asked people to flip through them and they looked through them and i was like anything Diff, you know, that you noticed, and only one person was like, Well, there's really no white, you know, black, black people. And then were, <laughs> and the white women were all used um, more as props and as the sex, you know, and the, the white male was always like, you know, predominant in the photo. Like he knew. And and that's what I've told people that, you know, wine, you know, I come from two worlds, writing and and the wine world. Those are my passions. And they both deal with um, old white men. And in the writing world, it's more dead old white men. Um, And so, you know, both of these, that's where, you know, you have to have a certain, you know, like you said, it's a a different vocabulary. Um, It's a different, you know, kind of change of thinking. And I think that we as melanated people have been left out of that. And, um, because folks think that we are not sophisticated enough mm. to understand 
you know, what's happening where, you know, pretty much probably one of our great, great, great grandmas taught your family how to do it. You're right. You are first. right. <laughs> so while they might not have understood the vocabulary, they knew how to make it and make it well. And your family is still following that recipe. So that's what I said. It's, it, it's, it's in our blood. It's um, in our lineage, lineage. But I still think that you're right. Cause when I walk into places, um, you know, I, I always had this running joke. I go to a wine shop where um, it's a couple of them, but they see a lot of people, but they all know my name. Um, you know, the place I go to buy, you know, my bottles, they all know my name. When I call and I ask for something, they'll be like, is this Nicole? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just learning their names, you know, like almost two years later. So I'm making it a point now to know, okay, yeah, okay. Now I know who that is. But it's interesting that, yeah, that you, people, and and I've noticed people watch me and, you know, wine becomes, it's a very social drink. It's a drink of business, but like I've met people strictly based on our, um, our tasting profile. Like we like the same thing. So now I'm getting invited. Well, Hey, you know, we go to these events and we buy cases and you know, you, you have a really good palate and it matches ours. Are you interested in putting a couple dollars in? So the next time we do an event or we go to an event, even if you're not there, we'll buy stuff that we know you'll like. So it's interesting to get those opportunities um, because that means people have been watching you. They're watching what you taste. They right. watch what you buy. Um, so yeah, it, for me, it's been an interesting journey because I pretty much know most of the distributors in my city. Um, I pretty much, I'm a regular at most of the wine tastings because I feel like you have to have that education as well. Um, not necessarily, you don't have to have it to make wine, but I feel like, it informs, you know, what you want to do with your wine. So if I taste something and I'm like, I really want to try to recreate that type of flavor profile in my wine, you know, so I'm like, yeah, let me drink some more of that. So I think that, yeah, the the education is, is, is critical. And and when I say education, I mean, just as simply as drinking the wine, (laughs) that's the education. I'm talking about. Right. Going out and drinking it. Um, Versus you got to enroll in a formal class and, you know, there's plenty of free wine education materials, um, you know, on the interwebs and just in the library and your bookstores. So I think that people can begin to educate themselves that way. And that's part of what we like to do. Um, We not only make wine, which is, you know, fun. Um, We also like to present wine to people, but we want to give people some tips that they can use for when you do go to that business meeting and, you know, God forbid, Moscato is not on the menu for y'all. It's for some folks. Okay. Try to like, okay, this is what you can try. And, you know, this is what you can, you know, order because, you know, I tell people you shouldn't be at a business meeting and get panicked and just go for the crown and Coke. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. For, and then for the melanated of the world who are right. who are listening right now, who are still apprehensive about getting into just jumping into the conversation, because I mean, the, the advice I've gotten um, over a couple of uh, series of interviews at this point is just go and do it. Just go and try it. Go and drink it. And I, you know, I know my own family members and friends who are just like, um, I 
I just don't want to pick something that I'm not going to like, that it's going to be nasty. I know my, my mother, she is like, I don't like the taste of none of it and I'm not doing it. And I'm like, mom, there are so many in the world though. How can you swear off all of it? Yes. I don't like, I don't like any of it. I'm like, okay. Um, all right. So for, you know, talk to the, the melanated people of the world. How do we, what, what can we, what can they do to build some confidence around the subject, around that point where they, you know, someone hands them the wine menu, hands them the wine list, and they're looking at it and they're, they see cities and countries and regions and styles of grapes. And they're like, I, I, um, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and then because of that lack of confidence and that insecurity, they do go for the crown and coke or they, you know, they do go for a Sprite or they do go for something that is just not going to expand their world at all for them or, you know, or the ones that are traveling even, you know, we we're spending almost $70 billion a year um, traveling at this point. Yes. I mean, melanated people are everywhere, but because of that, like to your point in the beginning, when you were talking about your background, being in the military and having lived all over the world, you understand that wine is an integral part of the culture in most of the other parts of the world. And now that people see us traveling more, how can we, what do they need to know? Like, what can you offer them um, as a way to think, a way to shift their thinking, uh, an approach, a, you know, for me, I'm one of those people, I like practicality. And like when I teach a cooking class, I look for the practical and the technical to help people kind of move to the next thing. So what's something practical that they can do or a piece of information they can have to really allow them to go, okay, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to look at this menu and, and look at this wine list and listen to what the sommelier is saying and go, okay, I can feel like I can make an informed choice and I'm not going to want to spit out a mouthful of wine when it goes in. And, and you said a key thing. Start with um, if, if the restaurant or the, the venue you're at has a sommelier. Um, start you know, with the sommelier and ask those questions. Look, this is what I think I like. Tell them and then they can point you to something that matches, you know, what you're in the mood for that night. And then I tell people, you know, try to just expand. Like if you like sweet wines, that's fine. We all came into wine from a sweet wine. I I don't know very many people who started dry. So, you know, move your way along, like try a Riesling, you know, try a late harvest Riesling and, you know, inch your way up, you know, into, and maybe you just stay in the white world because, you know, we know when you get into reds, they get dry or maybe try to find something that's got, that's big and bold and fruity. So it's going to give you that, um, a more, a sweeter taste, but, but I say be adventurous and, you know, and try something new. Um, and then just do it by the glass and maybe go with something that's not as costly, but bubbles are always a great choice. So I'm a champagne fanatic. (laughs) So bubbles are always a good choice. Just get a sparkling wine and you know, it, it goes with everything. And that way you also can't go wrong. So getting a nice Prosecco um, is, is a good choice as well. But, but I think that yeah, you, we do get flustered um, because we don't understand regions. I like South African wines. Um, so I'm always, it's hard for me because most restaurants don't carry them. So then I usually go back to, okay, let me find something California. But I think it's just, it's having a sense of adventure um, and treating wine with that, you know, um, childlike curiosity of let's try. And here's the thing too, 
restaurants will let you try wine before you buy it. So even if you want, you have something you're not sure, and it's maybe two or three things you're unsure about, they will bring you a tasting of all of those things. They're not going to do six or seven or eight, but two or three, they'll bring you those and let you try them. So that's the other thing. Just ask because we don't know that either. And so, you know, we don't, we're not going to, we don't want to commit to that. I always ask, so can I sample a few things? And they're like, sure. So I, you know, and I don't go beyond three, but I might get one or two things. Um, so I can see what is it that better suits me that evening. So always ask for a sample and then, you know, then, then you're more assured not to spit out what you get. <laughs> oh, see, and now see, <laughs> I, now I have a visual of someone spitting out some wine, Lord help me. Yeah. Um, so what is your, and you know, for me, I like to get a little a technical when I have a technician um, on the line. What is your position on pairing, on food and wine pairing? Some people kind of throw them all out and go just drink what you want with whatever you're eating. Other people are, of course, very traditional and they're like, no, you don't drink, you know, red wine with fish and it, with when you have a fish, you know, or seafood. And it's just like, OK, well, I think there's some middle ground here. And that now that we have more rosés in the market, um, now that people are understanding that, you know, pairing champagne and fried chicken is brilliant. And yes. so you see you're seeing some really cool pairings pop up in um some in some restaurants and gastro pubs so like for as as a as a producer and as someone who um presents wine and has you know as just in these conversations all the time what's your what is your position on on food and wine pairings so i love food and wine pairings but i am of the the i'm the school of we're going to try some really different things that are practical so i know there's you know i i give people the you know the reds go with the red, the white goes with the white, but I'm like you said, champagne and fried chicken. But, um, I've told people sparkling wine and strawberry pop tarts. You can't get a better late night snack. Okay. Yeah. That is like to die for like lightly toasted, you know, lightly toasted pop tart. And it's, so it's going to be that sweetness. And then the acid in that sparkling wine is going to be just, it, it's, it's just, it's magic in your mouth. I mean, I, I can't explain it any better, but I've also done peanut butter and jelly with um, a red blend or peanut butter and jelly with um, a Ziffendale. Again, giving people the balance and like real practical stuff for people to try that they would be like, oh, like I would never drink a red wine, but I'm like, do you eat peanut butter and jelly? They're like, yeah, get a red wine, get some peanut butter and jelly. And then I'm like, just thank me later. And, and I've told people, hit me later and tell me, and they're always like, yeah, that worked. I was like, it works. So wow. I want people to kind of get out of that. Again, making wine less elitist and stuffy is things that we eat all the time. You know, we eat popcorn. So we know popcorn goes also well with Chardonnay. So um, just everyday items that we would eat. I think somebody comes out every year and I'm not sure who does it, but I've seen in multiple places, but like starting in mid September, early October, there'll be a whole wine pairing list for um, candy for Halloween that comes out. And I think that's like just super cool. And so this year I was like, we're going to really do a tasting with that. We're going to bring the candy, bring the wine and let people sit down um, and do a tasting. Wow. And because I have um, a multitude of friends who are chefs. So I have a friend um, who um, I have two friends who are just vegan. That's, that's it. I'm one who does more vegan um, 
comfort food and one who's more like traditional vegan. And then I have a friend who does paleo, has a paleo restaurant. I have a really good friend um, who has a, a seafood restaurant. And so we've taken our wines and just kind of paired it. So now we're on an intentional kind of quest to do these um, events where we're going to you know, go to these restaurants or bring food to a venue that is that particular food. So here's seafood and our wines and how does it pair? Um, because like, So I think that gives people a better understanding of, of wine. And again, it makes it accessible. It's stuff that people would eat every day. Wow. Well, you know what that Halloween candy list and that wine pairing, that's a, yeah, that might make an appearance on a, on a blog post or something at some point. Um, So for future wine producers, for like a young person who is not quite sure what they want to do with life just yet. And they, you know, they like food, they like food and beverage. They like, you know, they like culinary, they like to, they like service, but they aren't quite sure if they, you know, want to cook for a living. And wine has been coming up and they're, they're really interested in, in becoming a producer. What can you, what information can you offer them? What advice and steps can they start with to kind of find themselves kind of at the end of maybe their college journey or um, if someone's making a career change and they're like, you know what, I think I want to get into this world a little bit and get into wine production. What can we, what information can you offer them to get started? So I say wherever you're located, um, try to find a wine mentor. If there's somebody, you know, a melanated person, you know, try to talk to them. Um, if not, go to a winery and ask, can you kind of hang around? Can you look at the process? Um, college students, I say even start it in your dorm room or wherever you happen to live. Uh, start it while you're in college. Don't wait till you get out. Um, do it now. And so you can go um, to any, almost every city has a, like a wine and, and brew shop, you know, with all the supplies. So I say start there. Um, you can either start with a kit to kind of see the process. And then most places get fresh grapes in. And I say start that way, like actually just kind of jump into it. And then you'll know, of course, it's a, that's a small scale, but you'll know if that's something like, cause it's a schedule to it and you got to keep things clean and you um, actually have to keep a notebook. So wine is um, both nature, art and science all in one. I loved chemistry um, as a kid. So for me, it's the best of both worlds. It's that creativity and blending something and, and that finally, you know, going in the barrel after it's sitting and tasting it and be like, yeah, this, that, this, that, you know, this is, <laughs> and, and I mean, I, and I'm usually just me by myself, but I drink, um, everything that, um, you know, I try everything before I, you know, I bottle it. And so a lot of times, you know, I'm always surprised, like, wow, like this came out like incredibly, you know, far better than what I would have ever thought, you know, it would have came out. And so, so for me, I said, that's what I say is really go get the hands on, find someone who will um, help you, will help you walk through it. Um, there are some resources, you know, on online about, you know, starting at winery, but a lot of them are still like big scale. Like if you're going to go and build this thing and mm. um, you're going to plant 
you know, acres and acres of grapes, which now you don't necessarily have to get into the vineyard part. If you're not, if that's not your thing, if growing's not your thing, you can buy fresh grapes and you can find a great, um, a great broker. There's a lot of farms that will, you know, that are producing the grapes and they will sell them to you by the ton or by the, you know, five gallon pails. So I think starting it and seeing if it's something that you want to commit your life to. Like, I know I love all my Psalm friends and I'm like, y'all go, you know, I'm cheering them on, but a service in a restaurant is not my passion. Right. So I'm, I'm like, that's not what I'm, you know, I'm, that's not my interest in, but I am in the education portion because that's, that's in my gifting and talent. So I'm studying to be a certified specialist of wine because that matches my talents, even though I'm making wine, I just like the, I like the language and the love. Like a friend of mine told me that wine is her love language. And I was like, girl, you couldn't have said it better. Like, that's it for me. Wine is my love language. So to me in pouring for people and sharing wine with people that, you know, that's, that's how I give and and receive love back. And so I think for, for a young person, you get into it, try to meet, um, try some of the internship programs of, you know, larger companies, um, that, you know, that are the larger scale, bigger wineries that have summer internships, go work a harvest. Um, Tuani, uh, with, uh, Zuri wine tours, she went to South Africa and did, and worked a harvest, I think two years, two different harvests. And I think she's now looking for a harvest, um, to do, she's back in, in California, back in LA. So find a farm that grows grapes in your area and participate in the harvest. And a lot of times they'll let you come back, you know, you'll go through all of it, the picking the grapes, the crushing, the distemming. Um, and then, you know, they'll probably let you hang out and see how the wine is made. So I would, that's what I would say, find someone who will share that knowledge with you, kind of try to get it firsthand. Um, I was fortunate. I have someone, same thing in my city that um, let me come in, let me look at their, um, their operation. Um, and he had only one request. He was like, please don't put your winery anywhere near mine. <laughs> he was like, just don't put it in this. <laughs> um, but so he was gracious enough to do that for right. me. And so um, I think that, to me is, um, key, you know, the wine world, it is both competitive, but I think also, um, embracing Mm. as well. Oh, I love that. Uh, And I think that's the, you know, kind of the food and wine community overall is like, we can be competitive with each other, but there's also this really beautiful sense of camaraderie and, and we, we, we will create space for you. You just, if you're going to show up to the space, you just be prepared to compete. And, you know, I think that, I think that allows us to produce at our best though, because we're not competing with you to destroy you. We're competing with you to make you better. Um, because I, you know, for us, for me, I'm like, I just, I want to, I want to cook against the best. So if if you're not there yet, I'm going to push you. And if that's me, you know, out cooking you, then that's just how that's going to happen until you surpass me. Um, so yeah, I think that, that, that energy is, is pretty well balanced in the, within this community, um, of people who serve food and, and beverage uh, to the rest of the world, because we want, we want to offer the best to the world. And so we push each other in that way. So, 
So with these last few moments I have of your of your night, um, what is it that we can support you in? What do we need, you know, what what do people need to attend, buy tickets for, buy bottles? Um, like what uh, is there a, some type of subscription uh, on the website that people can sign up and get a wine delivery every week? Like <laughs> what yes. how can we how can we support you? So again, we we're a micro winery, we're growing. So um, supporting sip and share wines is um, joining our wine club. Right now we are quarterly. Um, we, we, we do uh, monthly as well if people request that. But we do, we have a quarterly wine subscription, two, um, four or six bottles, ships to your home. Um, there's, about, there's a few states we don't ship to, but overall we ship pretty much everywhere in the United States. Um, and that, that really is a way to support us because then we know, you know, we have that wine that's going out. Um, there's, you know, that accountability from us to you to get you our best product. But if there's an event in your area that you want us to go to and we travel, we've gone to New Orleans. So we drove 12 hours to New Orleans. We're going to be going to Maryland next month, um, for the unwind with us wine fest. So if there's a festival or something in your area, that's either vegan related or, um, melanin related or woman related or wine related, invite us, inbox us, let us know. Um, and we'll try our best if our schedule is accommodating enough to show up in that, you know, to that area. So we, cause we want people, we want to engage with our customers. So we want them to taste the wine and engage with us while we're there. Um, so that we can create, um, you know, reoccurring, um, customers that come back that become loyal to the brand that really want to help, um, you know, spread the word and become basically the evangelist for sip and share wines. Thank you so much for spending some time this evening. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you, it, what's the website? Sip and share.com, sip and share.co. Yes. Uh, sip and share wines.com. So that's sip and share wines.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram at sip and share wines as well. Um, we're on LinkedIn, Twitter, so they can find us on all the regular, um, social media yes. channels. And yeah, I mean, come engage with us, you know, find us on social media again, invite us to your city and buy a wine club membership. Yes. Now, ladies and gentlemen, now, you know, every, every single episode I'm coming for y'all because I don't want to hear nothing that I don't know. I didn't know. She didn't say, I don't remember. You can download the episode and rewind it. You can jot down the notes. You can find the notes on the website. You have no excuses at this point. And, you know, my goal is to eliminate the excuses that we have given each other to not support businesses within our community. And so there are, you have opportunities to support, to follow and to purchase. And for me, support equals dollars. So don't come at me with no, yeah, you know, she's doing great. I love her stuff and you ain't bought nothing. Somebody right. in your life likes some wine. Buy them a bottle or a subscription and stop playing. So there that's, you go. That's, that's, that's my two cents at this point. So thank you again, Nicole. I appreciate you and your work and your family and what you guys are doing to um, just re-engage 
people in the conversation around how melanated people are connected to wine and wine production in the world overall and not just in this country. And then, you know, creating a, a, a generational business um, that people can see visibly and, you know, can uh, support and be a, and grow with. So um, thank you again. And um, like I said, next, next season, when I do these follow-up interviews, it will likely be video. So um, then we'll be able to have a real sit down conversation and people can actually see your face and maybe get a, a tour of the of the production um and and see where you guys are at and then uh, again like at, and we can just watch your growth and applaud your growth so thank you again thank you i appreciate the opportunity and, and um everybody again happy wine wednesday drink some great wine um during this lifetime everybody all right well you have a good night and uh we will talk to you soon The Afros and Knives podcast series is 100% listener supported. We love our community of listeners. To continue to see this podcast series grow, it needs your financial support. We want to add a video series and continue to shine a spotlight on all that is brilliant and black all over the world. Consider making a pledge or becoming a patron of the Afros and Knives content today. Your generosity is deeply appreciated. Visit www.afrosandknives.com to make a pledge of financial support today. And thank you.